great opportunity to be in God's presence. There is no better place to be. There is no better place to be. No better place. No better place. There is no better friend. No friend like Jesus. There is no friend like him who knows us the way we are, who we are. And you know what he does? He loves us regardless. How many of us know that friends don't love at all times? There are good weather friends. When the going gets tough, then you will know who your friends indeed are. But this is God who loves us anyway. He said, I'm the husband to the widow. I am the father to the fatherless. He's the God of the well-known and he's the God of the obscured. He's the God of the king and he's the God of the lowest subject. And you know what? God does not dishonor the lowest subject. He does not. How many of us know when God made a decision to send his son to the world? You know where he went? He went to the lowest of all the subjects. He located a woman who was a virgin, betrothed to a, woman, to a man. And then found her and decided to visit with her. Interestingly, Jesus himself was born in the lowest of all places in the society. He was born in the manger. So it does not matter how low your situation is tonight, God identifies with you. It does not matter who does not identify with you, he identifies with you anyway. You know what? I don't worry about circumstances, how you treat me, how you look at me. It does not matter to me. As long as God loves me, it's okay by me. I don't know how many of us have this feeling tonight. If God loves you, it's the most important love in the world. It doesn't matter who hates you. No wonder Paul the Apostle said, If God be for us, who shall be against us? If God be for us. It's an incredible knowledge to have. Tonight, I want us to bow down our heads. Father, we are your people called after your name. We are the people you came to die for. You made the ultimate sacrifice just for us. Us who were, no, who, who were nobody, those of us who were forgotten, the discarded, the outcast, the ostracized, you chose to be princes among your own people. The Bible says you took us from, you took us from the dung eel. You found us in a ravaging place, in a dumping ground. And yet... You did not leave us the way you made us. You beautified our lives with your salvation, with your love, with your mercy, with your grace, with your favor. And now we are your people. 
And the Bible says we are the prince of we are the princes of God. Thank you, Father, tonight for this lovely, wonderful place. The scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, we have been made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Thank you for providing us a seat where man will not provide us anywhere to sit, yet you provide us the best place to sit on earth. The Bible says in the heavenly places where we control circumstances and situations in life. Tonight, minister life to us. Speak to your people. Confirm your word with signs and wonders following. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Tonight, I'll be speaking with us on what I call the written judgment. The written judgment. The written judgment. I'd like us to turn our Bibles together tonight. To the book of Psalm 149. The book of Psalms 129. Let's just turn to it. Psalm 149. I start to read from the very first verse of this chapter. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Good man. Let the praise, let them praise his name with a dance. Let them sing praises to him with a timbrel and up. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. How many of us are reading this scripture with me tonight? I wanted to read with me verse 4. If you have your Bible with me, read with me. One, two, three, go. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. The scripture says in verse 5, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. And a two-edged sword in their hand. To execute vengeance on the nations. And the punishments on the peoples. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. Verse 9, very critical. To execute on them the written judgment. Read the next verse with me. The next sentence. This honor of all is saints. Praise the Lord. For many years, I was introduced to the concept of spiritual warfare. But for the most part, we offered prayers after prayers, we fasted day after day, 
we spent weeks engaging in warfare. The very first question that I had at that time was how real the spiritual warfare was. How real was it? As a young man, I found it very difficult to understand some of the prayers I was taught to pray because I couldn't comprehend in the natural sense the reality and I could not see it. Some of the things we were taught to pray about. Most often I prayed believing that indeed it was all right. If everybody did it, then I do it, then it's okay. The number two was the fact that many prayers were offered and I went back home and I just prayed and prayed and prayed. But I, after the prayers, I could not put together the content of my prayers for the most part. I want to answer the very first question tonight to everyone listening to me tonight. Spiritual warfare is real. God is real. So, Satan is also real. And therefore, the forces of good against uh, the forces of evil against the good is real. The forces of darkness against the light is real. The forces of destruction against the forces of construction is real. The battles that we face is a real battle. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, the scripture says, Why we look not at the things which are seen? For the things which are seen are temporal. I'm going to explain that scripture a little bit tonight. The Bible says, when you really want to understand spiritual battles, you do not look at the things which are seen. Because things which are seen are really temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. The things that we see are a product of the things that we do not see. So, things that we do not see are more real than the things that we see. The things that we do not see are controlling the things that we see. No wonder Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 3, let me start from verse 1. The Bible says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we understand from Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, there are things that are not seen. But it's interesting what it says. It says faith... Now faith is a substance of things hoped 
for. What you hope for is invisible, but the Bible says faith is the substance of it. And it says it's the evidence of things, not what? Not seen. In other words, faith brings to a concrete reality the things that are in the, vis in the invisible world. The invisible world controls the visible world. I'm going to give us that scripture in verse 3 of the book of Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3, it says, the Bible says, Now we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. And the things which are visible are not made of the things which are seen. I want everybody to turn to that scripture. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. Will it be okay for us to study together? I think it will be wonderful. Let's study together. Hebrews 11 in verse 3. Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 3. Are we there together? It says, by faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are what? Are visible. In other words... Every creation, everything you see in existence are not made of the things which are visible. It is not just the engineer. It is not just the bricklayer. The things which you see are made from the invisible world. Now, this is not talking about structures. This is talking about Things, nature, are made from the things which we do not see. Why is this so important? Because we need to understand as a people that spiritual realm is the battle realm. Spiritual realm is the most active realm. Spiritual realm controls the natural realm. Let me say it in a way we'll understand better. If you want a change in the natural realm, you must gain control in the spiritual realm. Your loss of control in the spiritual realm literally makes you a victim in the natural realm. All of us here tonight are victors by the blood of Jesus. But we must understand we also must learn how to harness and articulate what has been given to us in the realm of the spirit. Now the Bible says forever, oh God, your word is settled where? On earth? No, it's settled in heaven. But when we engage in spiritual warfare and in battles, what do we do? We bring what has been settled in heaven, we bring it to bear on earth through what? Through spiritual method, spiritual approach. The written judgment. In the scripture we just read now, in the book of Psalm 149, it was the man of God that was describing the wonderful experience of the saints. But you see, in the last verse of verse 9, I love what it says. I'm going to describe the last sentence before going to the very first in verse 9. It says, dishonor of all the saints. I love that sentence. Church, I want you to listen to me tonight. You may not be a pastor. Because all of us are not called to be pastors. You may not be an evangelist. Because all of us are not called to be evangelists. You may not be an apostle. Because the truth is we are not called. We are not all called to be apostles. You may not be a teacher. Because we are not all called to be teachers. But there is something we are all called to do. We have a divine honor. I wanted to say to yourself tonight. I have an honor. 
Listen, the king may not honor you, the society may not honor you, but God has honored you. What honor has God provided for you? The Bible says, this honor have all the saints. Are you a saint tonight? Then you have a honor. That honor, I want to investigate the honor that you have. Because I want us to take advantage of the honor that you and I possess as people of God. What honor do I have? What privilege do I have? Because the word honor means you have a privilege. You have a position in the spirit. You have, you, you have a recognition in the spirit. So God has given you honor. God has given you privileges. God has given you a place. God has given you a recognizable point in the realm of the spirit. Every man of honor, every man of honor, I want us to understand the language honor. Every man of honor has a say. Everybody has a say. Therefore, because I'm a saint, I have a say in the spirit. I'm going to say it again. Every man of honor has a say. Everybody say it. Every man of honor has a say. And because I'm a saint, I have honor and I have a say in the spirit. This honor I have all the saints. The scripture says the verse before. What honor is he talking about? He's saying to execute on them the written judgment. This was written several years before Jesus was born, but it was in anticipation for what was coming. It was in anticipation for what was to be seen. How many of us know in every land, particularly in the Old Testament, even today, the word of a king is power. Everybody knows what I'm talking about? The word of a king is what? The scripture supports that. Wherever the word of a king is, there's what? There is power. That's the book of Ecclesiastes. Wherever the king, the word of a king is, there is power. Now, what the scripture is saying is this. All the saints have this honor to execute a written judgment. In other words, there is a judgment that's already written. I want you to look at the word judgment. The word judgment does not mean you're, you're, you're sentencing somebody alone. The word judgment means to sentence. It also means to exact what you know to be right. The word judgment means... To put in place and in order the things which you believe to be true. It is to enforce the truth. Hello? Judgment is enforcing the truth against falsehood. Is that true? Judgment is bringing back the truth over the hidden matters. Because before any judgment, there has to be a witness. There has to be something that has been written, that has been executed, investigated. Now, judgment in the case of the scripture here says, there is a confirmed truth. There is a confirmed word. Your job, my job, is to execute the judgment. Now, in the literal word of judgment, in the literal government, when a judgment has been passed, it is depending on the law enforcement fellows to enforce and to execute, and those who have the rights to do it. Now, in the church, it's important for us to know how do we execute judgment in the body? How do we bring to bear what God has ordained? How do we enforce the divine order in the realm of the spirit? 
That's what we have come to today tonight. That's what we believe the Lord has called us to do. That's what I'm beginning to see and I will see in our lives as a people. That when things happen, we must check what is the written judgment over this matter. What is the written code over this matter? In the realm of the spirit, the greatest force that we have as believers is the power of your word. The power of your word. Now, we execute judgment by speaking what has been written. By enforcing what has been written. It's important to understand that every level in the scriptures, there are certain words that are legal words that we need to understand and that we need to apply for us to see the manifestation of God's counsel in our lives. I wrote down here, and this is very critical. I want us to listen to me. The devil loves an uninformed believer. He loves it. An unschooled believer is loved by the devil. The life of an unschooled and uninformed believer is the ground for deception. Is the breeding ground for fear. Is the breeding ground for insecurity. The devil takes advantage of every mediocrity in the life of God's people. The enemy takes advantage of our lack of knowledge to use it against us. But what I found out is this, that as people of God, the way to engage and to win spiritual battles is to understand that there are written values, written words, written, written judgments. And tonight, if we'll engage in the written judgment, God will begin to bring victory to your life. God will begin to bring joy to your life. God will begin to bring you to the point of security in the realm of the spirit. Your life will be different from what it used to be as we begin to engage in the written judgment. Let's get into the world tonight and see what the Bible says about the written judgment. Let's turn our Bibles together tonight to Genesis chapter 3. I want us to see how the devil operates and then we will see what the Lord has said concerning us as a people. Are we here together with me in Genesis chapter 3? This is what we read in Genesis chapter 3 in verse. In verse 1. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, what does the Bible say the very first characteristics of the enemy? The Bible says he's more what? He's more cunning. In other words, he's deceptive. He's trickery. His trickery was obvious from Genesis chapter 3. The Bible says he was more cunning than any beast of the feed. And he said to the woman, I want us to see this. As God said. I want us to see that tonight. As God said, church, what was Satan doing here? Satan was trying out, was evaluating before he struck. What was the quantity and the quality of knowledge that Eve had? As God said, 
He says, as God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, let's see one of the wrong ways to answer the devil. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it. Nor shall you touch it. Did he say touch? Nor lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Church, I want you to listen to me tonight. As God said, <laughs> did the God say to you that you should not eat of every tree of the ground? Is that what God spoke to them? God did not inform Adam that every tree in the garden was evil. It did not say that. God spoke to them of every tree in the garden, the tree that beareth fruit, he has given to them. But he says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what he told them. That was the instruction God gave to them. Do not eat of that fruit. That was the instruction God gave. But he said, as God said, you should not eat of the trees of the garden. He did not give a general a general warning about all the trees in the garden. God did not do that. He gave them a specific warning about a specific tree in the garden. Now, tested out what this woman knew, knew. She knew that she was not supposed to touch, she said. Well, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it. Now, does anything indicate... Please, I want us to watch this. Does anything indicate from this reply that Eve had a total understanding of the written word that was given to Adam? That of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will know it. She said of the tree in the middle of the garden. Of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. I understand that we might be thinking, well, maybe she thought of the fruit. No, but she did not say it. Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Bible says you shall not hear of it. But she said, of the tree. and then the, then the enemy knew. I know what she, she knows. She has a partial knowledge. She does not have a total knowledge. Now, the problem in the church today is not that we don't have knowledge at all. The problem is that we have partial knowledge of what God wants us to be. Now, when the enemy attacks, he looks at what we don't know. He takes advantage of what we don't know and capitalizes on it. And uses it as a tool against us. But God is saying there is a written judgment. Church, be awakened to the written judgment. When you know what your onus is in the spirit, when you know what the boundaries are for you as a believer, the enemy knows he cannot take advantage of you anymore. John chapter 14, Jesus said, the prince of this world cometh to me, but he has nothing in me. Why did Jesus say he came? Church, let me say this to you tonight. Till we will leave this world, the enemy will keep coming. It will not stop coming. The enemy will not stop coming. I have seen certain patterns in the scripture about the activities of the devil. Number one of the activities of the devil is that you cannot stop the devil from having desires over you. You can't. That's his plan. He is always interested in drawing you out to the place of safety. To the place of hunger. That's his job. He prowls around the Bible in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5. He prowls like, like, like a roaring lion looking for whom to what? 
to devour. You cannot stop the devil from looking around. You remember the book of Job chapter 1? He says, I've been going, God asking me, where have you been? He said, I've been going to and fro through the hell. May I say something to you today? The enemy has been moving around even around your house today. Looking for something. Looking for something, something to deceive, something to tempt. Do you know what I've seen today? But I love Job chapter 1. In that scripture, we're able to understand that the enemy has not been given power over your life. May I say that one more time tonight? Don't be afraid of the devil killing you. God has not given them the power over your life. He can tempt, he can bring suggestions, he can bring, but God has not given the devil power over your life. He has no power over your life. God owns your life. God sent you to the world to fulfill a purpose. And that purpose we will fulfill. The enemy cannot stop the... I want us to say amen to that. The purpose of God for your life you will fulfill. In the name of Jesus. It says in that scripture, I will go to and fro throughout the earth. Then God said, have you considered my servant Job? Oh, he said, well, I know you've put an edge around him. He said, well, I do not give you power over his life. I love that place. You could do anything around him, but over his life, no. You have no power over him. And it's so interesting, John chapter 14 that I read to us, when Jesus said, the prince of this world comes to me, but he has nothing in me. I don't know if we understand that that scripture was on the basis of Jesus' experience prior to that time. Can we go to the scriptures and read together tonight? Luke, sorry, Matthew chapter 4. Let's see the experience Jesus was talking about tonight in Luke chapter 4. Sorry, Matthew chapter 4. Either of them carries the story. That's why I'm mixing them up. In Matthew chapter 4, let's read together. In Matthew 4. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he became hungry. You know, an hungry man is a, uh, to everything. The Bible says in the book of uh, Proverbs, to an, to an hungry man, everything is sweet. Have you read that before? Everything is what? Even the, the difficult bread, it's, it's sweet. I don't know how many men have experienced that. That when you're hungry, I've experienced that, the most hated food, you just eat and it's sweet to you because you just, you just wanted food. The Bible says here, and the enemy knew that he was hungry. I want us to see how the enemy came, the pattern that the devil used in verse 2, in verse 3. Now when the tempter came to him, he said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Why the concept of the bread? To an hungry man. Maybe this does not come alive to you. I will remind you of a case in the book of Genesis of a man called Cain. Sorry, not Cain. Of a man called uh, Esau. Who came back from the field and was hungry. He said, the Bible says, he was almost dying. Now, no hunger will kill you that way. But that was the impression that Esau had. He came back. And he saw his brother, and Cain said, Ah, can I have a portion of this porridge? 
And the brother said, if you will say your birthright to me. He said, birthright, birthright is not a problem at all. Now, many of us may not understand if we don't understand the Hebrew culture. In the Hebrew culture, every firstborn son is the heir of the family. And because you're the heir of the family, anytime the father passes on, you have the greatest portion of the father's inheritance because of your birthright as a first son. Every other child will have something, but you, you take the, the lion's share, they call it, of the inheritance. Now this man looked at himself and said, ah, I'm so hungry and I need food. If you look at what happened to Esau, it was the most, it was the most delicate thing that can happen to anybody. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, for one muscle of meat, for one muscle of soup, Esau sold his birthright. You know what the Bible calls him in the Hebrews? The Bible calls him a profane person. What does it mean? When you sell something because of the immediate physical need, you're caught profane by God. He said he's a profane person. Why? Because of the food. He couldn't survive. He wanted food now. Now we will understand what the Bible says here when the enemy came. The Bible says the devil said to Jesus, how about turning the stone to bread to an hungry man who has the power to do it? Let's see what Jesus said. And this is very critical tonight. Because after tonight, I want every believer in this place to take this approach. And this is going to be a long while. It's not going to be an overnight issue. But I want us to see how Jesus responded to what the enemy, the invitation of the devil. In verse 4, are we there together? Matthew chapter 4 in verse 4. But he answered and said, I like the first three words. I want everybody to read with me the first three words. What does it say? It is written. It is what? Written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I love this. It's, it is written. The man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How did Jesus respond to the invitation? What did the enemy bring to Jesus? The enemy brought the most important concern at the moment. For an hungry man, he does not remember whether he has to get a PhD next week. He remembers the food now. If he does not get the food now, his life depends on it now. And he brings that. How did Jesus come about it? Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. I want us to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And we then Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. In Deuteronomy chapter 8. In verse 3, the Bible says, so he humbled you. This is God speaking to Israel. Allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which, did not, which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Now, where did Jesus quote this from? Jesus did not bring the Greek lexicon. Jesus said, it is written. Where was it written? It is written before time. 
man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What am I saying tonight? The only force that incapacitated the plot and the tempting power of the devil at the time that he had an encounter with Jesus was Jesus bringing to bear by the force of his words the things that have been written. There is power in what has been written. I want us to listen to what I'm about to say tonight. The legal binding weapon is the word of God. Spiritual battles are impossible tasks without the word. Spiritual battles are what? Impossible tasks without the word. There are many people who are praying today. But only few are praying in the word. The things that are written. It's not enough to gather for a prayer meeting. It's important to know what is written. The sustaining power for your life today is not in how much food that we are able to take in. It's in how much of the word that we are able to receive. What is it that has been written? I love Joseph so much because of his understanding of what was written. When Potiphar's wife came and pounced on him, the Bible tells us, if you read that scripture, it was a continuous temptation that the Potiphar's brought to him. In fact, from a historical book, this is from maybe Josephus, it was said that one of the times when Potiphar's wife was so obsessed with, with Joseph, you know what it, she did? She actually invited the most beautiful ladies in the land and gathered for a meeting and then invited Joseph to sit in the midst of them. And you know what they said when they saw him? From Joseph's record, they said when they saw him, they said, oh, he's like an angel. When they saw Joseph coming in. That's how handsome the man was. And the woman was preparing him for what she was about to do. When she got to Joseph, what did he say? He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He knew doing it is not just having a good time. Doing it, committing adultery with that woman is not having a good time. Is what? It's committing sin. Now we need to understand tonight. We have, we have come to an age where we don't distinguish between sin. We call it different names. Joseph said, my father taught me right. He taught me that sleeping with a woman that I'm not married to is a sin. Therefore, it's not just a sin to God. It's also a sin against my master. He said, how can I do this great weakness and sin against God and also my master? My master has committed everything in this house into my hands except you, his wife. He knew the boundaries. What is that? Understanding what is written. Could it be tonight that the reason why we fail day after day is because many of us are actually either oblivious or we have forgotten the written word. And Jesus used the same tool of the written word to clip the wings of the devil. The devil could have taken advantage of him. Now we understand what he said in John chapter 14. The prince of this world cometh to me, but he has nothing in me. Why? 
because I know what was written. I want to say to you, to you tonight, church, that our salvation, I've said it here before, was not, was not a spontaneous event. It was written. <laughs> Your salvation was what? Was written. In Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 4, I want us to read together. Let's hear what the scripture says. Even your salvation was written. From the foundation of the world, a lamp had been what? Had been slain. But how does scripture say it in Hebrews chapter 10? Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to read from verse 5. Let me read from verse 5. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5. It says, therefore, when he came into the world, he said, I want us to be there. I want everybody to be there. Hebrews chapter 10, starting from verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. This is Jesus. In the what? In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. So it was written in the volume of the books. I have come because it's been written in the volume of the books. God is an intelligent God. Spiritual warfare is a legal warfare. When we engage in spiritual, we must engage in spiritual warfare on a legal ground. Now, you do not fight and win in the flesh. That's why Paul the Apostle warns. Let's take a look at the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. What does Paul say about spiritual battles? How many of us are loving this? That indeed you didn't come to the kingdom because God just decided overnight. No. It was prepared. It was a well-known fact. God knew you before you were born. He had appointed you for salvation before you were born. Jesus said his death, his coming was always on what? On the written word. But I want us to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The Bible says here, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk. According to the flesh. I'm reading verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh. Is that right? We're walking around. It says we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not in the flesh. <laughs> it says but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. He's saying listen. The weapon that we have. They're not physical. They're not carnal. They're not in the flesh. But you know what? They are strong. They are powerful. They are mighty in God. And they can pull down strongholds. In verse 4, it says, in verse 5, it says, casting down arguments. And every eye thing, I want us to watch that sentence, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Let's stop. It says, we cast down everything that exalts itself against what? 
the knowledge of God. In other words, there has to be a perfect understanding of the knowledge of God. Because we cannot cast down what we don't know. If the enemy brings an assault over you, you need to know that this is not of God. You need to know that I cannot take this because this is not who I am. This is not what the, the knowledge of God says. What is the knowledge? It says against the knowledge of God. How do we have the knowledge of God? Church, where do we see the knowledge of God? Here. It's the written judgment. That's where the knowledge is. And the Bible says here, the weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. I love this tonight. Now, church, we're going to stand in this place to pray tonight. You may not carry swords with hands. Uh, you may not have a bazooka. You may not have an AK-47. But what you possess is more powerful. It's more powerful. It can change circumstances. It can bring strongholds down. Strongholds are what we call strongholds. Whatever has been existing, whatever has been planted that was not supposed to be there. The Bible says there's a written judgment. When we come into the realm of the spirit, we may be tiny like me and skinny like I am. But we're powerful. We're strong. We can pull down strongholds. We can bring nations to their knees. We can command the power of God to move. We may be, we may be slow in speaking. The spiritual warfare has nothing to do with eloquence. It has everything to do with the accurate knowledge of God. I know who I am. I know I belong to God. The devil, you are a liar. I may not have the greatest connection in the world, but when I get into my prayer closet, I connect with the greatest God of heaven and earth. By him all things are made. By him all things consist. The Bible says without was an intimate that was made in him was life and the life was the light of man Romans chapter 4 declares in verse 17 the Bible says him is one who called those things which be not as though they were that's the connection that I have let's rise up tonight we're going to pray we're going to pray the written judgment the written judgment the knowledge of God tonight we have come to execute judgment we're going to pray tonight. We're going to pray tonight. There is a portion for everyone that belongs to God. The Bible says God is the portion of our inheritance. Don't know what it says? He said unto Abraham, I'm your exceedingly great, I'm your exceeding great reward. I am your reward. The time that the enemy has been feasting over our life is over. It's time to take charge. It's time to execute the judgment of God. Bring the judgment of God to bear over circumstances. Now let me say this to us tonight. When the symptoms have not changed, it has nothing to do with the roots. Anybody listening to what I'm saying tonight? The symptoms may not have changed, but the root may have changed. And you know what? When you plant appropriately, when you speak the right word on the right soil, the seed will germinate. Oh yes. The reason why some of us are not seeing the fruit yet is because what God prepares for you is far beyond you. <laughs> what you have planted in the realm of the spirit is a cedar. Let me quickly de describe to us. It takes about 40 years for a cedar to grow, to be seen at all. It takes about 40 years. Move a mushroom four days. You can see it. So the seed you have sown is not because it's not been planted. Tonight, we're going to engage the written word. 
The devil is a liar. He's been doing this over and over again. I'm going to bring this word again and again. We're going to take our place. We're going to bring the written judgment over circumstances over our lives. I want you to lift the word of God tonight. We're going to pray scriptural prayers tonight. We're going to go from one page to the other. I, have, I know I have no much time, but I'm going to pray. One or two prayers, and then we'll be done tonight. I want us to give thanks to God for his unfailing love over your life. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? He died for us. What matter of love, first John, the Father has bestowed upon us, that we may be called the children of God. <laughs> Behold, now we are children of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. We are children of God. The Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 5, the Bible says, the, the, the Bible describes us as believers. It says, it, when it's talking about it, it says, the old world light in wickedness, but they that are of God, the evil one touches them not. <laughs> the old world lies what? In wickedness. Anything is happening over the world, but for you, the evil one cannot touch you. I want us to go before the Lord tonight and say, Lord, I thank you for my place in the realm of the Spirit. I thank you for what you've done for me. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your help. I give you glory tonight for the great opportunity and the privilege you've given to me as your people. Lord, you have counted me worthy to be called yours. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. The Bible says you love me. You love me anyway. You love me, you love me, you love me, and I believe I'm loved of you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this great privilege that you have given. We honor your name tonight. Hallelujah to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah to you, Lord Jesus. I want us to bless the Lord for the plan of God and the purposes of God for your life. The scripture says, I know the thought that I think towards you. That's what the scripture says. That's what is written. <laughs> I know the thought that I think. The Bible says, I know what I'm thinking about you. It is the thought of peace, not of evil, that you may have a future and a hope. Can we just go? I say, I know the thought you are thinking about me. It is well with my soul, the scripture says. And thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give you praise tonight. Hallelujah to you. Hallelujah to you, Lord Jesus, tonight. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. We're going to pray tonight. Lord, I lift up the banner of truth tonight. Every place where the enemy has been ravaging my life. The Holy Spirit may begin to suggest certain things to you. I wanted to bring the word of God into active manifestation in those places. I want us to look at our spiritual life. If you have been suffering spiritually, it's like your life has been stifled spiritually. You're not enjoying your spiritual life. The joy is gone. The blessings is gone. In fact, coming to church is like a body. I want you to go before the Lord tonight. The Bible says, with joy shall we draw water. I want you to pray. I release back, oh God. I receive the joy of salvation. I restore the joy of salvation. I restore the joy of salvation. Restore the joy of salvation. 
in the name of Jesus. I restore the joy of salvation. For some of us, that the enemy had been attacking some specific places in our lives. I want us to bring the written judgment tonight. And said, Lord, your word said the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. Therefore, this is my lot. My marriage is my lot. My, my, my children are my lot. Oh yes, my job, my career is my lot. Therefore, in the name of I break the rod of the wicked. In the name of Jesus. Let's pray tonight. If you can pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit. I want us to pray. Become that spirit, deliberate in your prayers. Lepakatayadaba, Yepokosodekaya, Lengalabatoya, Leketoga, Zepakatayadaba, Ledekasataya. The Bible says everything that you lay your hands upon shall prosper. In the name of Jesus, we decree, Lord, I've laid my hands on this. Oh God, let it prosper. Oh yes, Lord. 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 Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way tonight. Have your way to them. We bring the judgment of God to bear. Yes, Lord. 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 In Jesus' precious name we pray. Let me leave this scripture with us tonight before we go home. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to begin to pray. Your life will change as mine will change. Uh, yes, yes. That's what I see the Lord doing. The Lord is taking us to a better level. A greater level. You will not remain the same. The Lord will do what is impossible in your life. As we engage in this period of prayers... The Bible says in Isaiah 54 verse 17, this is the prayer we're taking home tonight. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment. Do we see that? You shall do what? Condemn. I love the next sentence. It says this is the heritage this is the portion. This is the honor. He said, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. I wanted to pray the last prayer tonight. Every Isaiah 54 verse 17. I wanted to pray tonight. Every weapon that is fashioning against my life, against my progress, you will not prosper. I condemn you tonight. Every weapon.